Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, today is the great solemnity of Corpus Christi. We celebrate the body and the blood of Christ. It seems to me we will never understand the meaning of this great feast until we grasp the importance of blood sacrifice for ancient Israel. It's been said that the feature of the ancient world that would most surprise and impress modern people if suddenly we were transported back in a time machine would be the prevalence of this practice. Now, although it's very foreign to us, the idea of blood sacrifice is actually pretty straightforward, which is one reason why you find it all over the world. A person would take an aspect of God's creation, a bull or a dove or a sheep, and would offer it back to God. Now, no one, at least in the Israelite world, thought that God needed it. How could the creator of all things possibly need something from creation? But rather, the sacrificer did it as a sign of one's thanksgiving for the whole of creation. Or perhaps as a sign of one's repentance. In other words, the sacrifice benefited the sacrificer, not God. And this sacrificial instinct is quite deep in us, even to this day. Which is why we still want to do something for God. In order to express our thanksgiving or our sorrow. I mean, you feel that, don't you? Or you'll see in other people, when they, they want to thank God, they want to do something, offer something to God. Or they feel guilty because of sin, they want to do something. That's the sacrificial instinct. Now, one of the most moving and telling stories of sacrifice in the Bible is our first reading for today. It's the narrative of Moses' blood offering at Mount Sinai. So keep in mind the dramatic setting for the story. God has made a covenant with his people, this solemn agreement involving the Ten Commandments, coming at the culmination of their escape from slavery in Egypt. God has made a covenant with his people. And now in order to seal it, Moses performed an animal sacrifice. And then he took the blood, now from these sacrificed animals. Blood, remember, for ancient Israel, always symbolizes life. It's the life force. Moses took the blood and placed it in bowls. He sprinkled some of it on the altar, and he sprinkled the rest on the people. Friends, think for a second of blood brothers here. Think of two people who on purpose, in a ritual way, mingle their blood to signal their, their covenant fidelity to one another. Think of this now 
as God and his people becoming blood relatives, the people pledging their lives, their blood to God, God pledging his blood, his life for them. That's why that scene haunted the imagination of ancient Israel, haunts us to this day. Now, the second reading for today, which is taken from the magnificent letter to the Hebrews, also has to do with blood sacrifice. But see, Hebrews is one of the most misunderstood texts in the New Testament precisely because it deals with this reality that we don't readily understand. It has to do with the temple and its rituals. Well, the temple, which came, of course, during the time of David and Solomon, long after Moses, but it continues this instinct of Moses. The people performing blood sacrifice, and in a strange way, God sprinkling the people with his blood. Now, this is where we get to our reading from Hebrews, because what's being described in that reading is the activity of the high priest in the Jerusalem temple on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. On that single day, the high priest was allowed to enter the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctum of the temple. He would bring with him two animals, a goat upon whom he would symbolically place the sins of the people. This is the famous scapegoat, and that goat would then be sent out into the wilderness to die. He was bearing or taking away the sins of the people. That should begin to resonate with Christian ears and minds. So he brought in the goat and also a sheep whom he would slaughter. He would then take that animal's blood in a bowl and sprinkle some of it around the Holy of Holies, symbolizing the people's repentance. This is like Moses sprinkling the blood on the altar. And then he would take the rest. He would leave the Holy of Holies, coming through a veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And then he would sprinkle the people with that blood. Coming through the veil, which separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, the high priest was acting in the very person of Yahweh, offering his own life to the people. The people pledge their lives to him. They make a blood offering, a blood sacrifice to him. And now Yahweh, as it were, makes a blood sacrifice for them, restoring through his life the order and harmony of the world. Now, I'm going through all this, friends, going back to Moses and going back to uh, the activity of the high priest, because it's only against this richly complex background that we can understand what Jesus did at the climax of his life. Jesus was doing something that was entirely Jewish in form. Remember during his public ministry, Jesus had said in reference to himself, you have a greater than the temple here. What was he announcing now to people who had ears to hear? He was announcing himself as the new place of sacrifice and reconciliation. He himself was the new meeting place between suffering humanity and gracious 
divinity. He himself is the place where the blood connection between divinity and humanity is made. You have a greater than the temple here. Everything that Moses did at Mount Sinai, all that was done for a thousand years in the great temple of Jerusalem was summed up and given a new focus by Christ. And this is precisely why, at the end of his life, he pronounced prophetic judgment on the temple and then declared, I will destroy this place and in three days rebuild it. He was referring to the temple of his body. At the Last Supper, Jesus used explicitly temple language, the language of sacrifice and blood offering. This is my body, which will be given up for you. What is that? What is that? But the body of a sacrificed animal offered in thanksgiving and reparation. If you said, this is my body given for you, offered for you in a Jewish context, they knew what you meant. And then, even more tellingly, perhaps, this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant It will be shed for you and for all so that sins may be forgiven. Nobody would have missed that. What's he talking about? But the ultimate blood sacrifice offered for the reconciliation of God and sinful humanity. Now, what's anticipated sacramentally the day before is acted out, in fact, the following day. On the cross, Jesus is, as we say, the Lamb of God, the sacrificial victim, the one offered. He's also, as I was suggesting earlier, the scapegoat. We say he takes away the sins of the world or he takes upon himself the sin of the world. That's explicit scapegoat language. Finally, the blood pouring from his many wounds pouring finally from the great wound in his side, Jesus is the high priest, sprinkling blood all over the Holy of Holies and also upon the people. He's Moses there. Blood on the altar, blood on the people. He's also the high priest at Yom Kippur, blood in the Holy of Holies, blood on the people. And see, now the point of the author of Hebrews becomes clear. It's not merely the blood of goats and bulls, but the blood of God's own Son, which has been shed, which means the reconciliation is complete. It's also why in Mark's Gospel, the curtain in the sanctuary is torn in two at Jesus' death. Again, that's the veil through which the high priest would come on the Day of Atonement, bringing with him the blood to be sprinkled on the people. Now this great reconciliation is offered to everyone all the time. 
Think here now in a Catholic context of daily Mass. What's happening at daily Mass? The great sacrifice of Christ is represented, made sacramentally present to us. The priest comes down out of the sanctuary carrying the very lifeblood of God, not just sprinkling it upon us, but offering it to us as drink. The official at Mass is not a minister or a doctor, merely a teacher. He's a priest. That's why he wears not doctor's robes, but priestly vestments. The Mass, every Mass, I mean 6.30 Mass on Tuesday morning, is a real sacrifice, a representation of the great sacrifice that Christ the High Priest made once for all. Offering to the people the blood of Christ beyond price, the blood by which divinity and humanity are knitted back together, the priest is representing what Jesus accomplished on Calvary. Friends, that's the stuff of this great solemnity of the body and blood of Christ, that divinity and humanity have become blood relatives. The sacrifice has been made. The union is complete. Divine life is offered again to us. That, I think, is the meaning of this great feast. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.